0: Sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
1: It'll it'll never be
2: enough. I mean, as, as someone said famously over the weekend, how many documents do you need to, b- before you go ahead and
3: vote now? Is this going to be fifty-one forty-nine?
2: You know, I don't know. Um, I, I'm i going to vote yes because the people of Texas want a strong principled constitutionalist who, who will defend our fundamental liberties, who will defend free speech, who will defend religious liberty, who will defend Second Amendment. Of all the financial titans and philanthropists of the 20th century, none are more complex or mysterious than George Soros. He amassed billions through ruthless business decisions. He can move world financial markets simply by voicing an opinion or destabilize a government by buying and selling its currency. I am basically
4: there to to make money. I cannot and do not look at the social consequences of of what I do. I don't feel guilty because I am engaged in an amoral activity which is not meant to have anything to do with guilt. And now,
1: Stacy Washington.
5: Welcome to the program. <laughs> How was your Labor Day? You're probably not even thinking about Labor Day anymore because of what's going on today. Monumental, historic. Some of the most um, descriptive words that we have available to us in the English dictionary are being used to describe the momentous hearings that are going on right now for our next Supreme Court Justice, Brett Kavanaugh. And so as often as we kind of critique and look at the different options that we have and how, you know, Kavanaugh, initially, we were saying right here on this good radio air that we weren't as excited about him because there were some things that we felt in his 300 opinions that weren't exactly rock solid conservatism. In fact, we felt there were a couple, maybe Amy Coney Barrett, maybe a couple of the others on the list of 25 from the Heritage Foundation and the Federal Society would be better choices for us. But as time has worn on, and obviously we're not getting another pick, this is, this is who will fill this next vacancy, we have, after examination, really come to feel that this is a really good opportunity for us. So what's happening today? Well, according to the Democrats, our democracy is at issue. There is a threat, an existential threat, and his name is Brett Kavanaugh, and he is right now simultaneously sitting in the hearing room being subjected to the most lengthy soliloquies I've ever endured, three hours of it today I've listened to, and I can tell you the only parts that I really felt like, you know, broadened my, my mental discourse and, and encouraged my synapses to fire at an ever faster rate were the comments of Ben Sass and Ted Cruz. And there were some others who were who were pretty good. But for the most part, the Democrats were fear mongering and obstructing and really playing the role of worm tongue, trying to convince the nominee. Justice Kavanaugh to ask for a recess so that they could examine documents that they declined to examine since they first heard his name and decided they were going to vote against him. (laughs) I know (laughs) if you're laughing like me, you're thinking what? You want, more, you want more documents? You want more time to review those documents, even though you didn't review the first 140,000 pages because you weren't voting for him because he's extreme? Yeah. So that's what's going on right now. So today on the show, we're going to cover that. We have a fantastic guest. It's Dean Nelson of the Human Coalition. He's going to come on and talk about uh, this billboard from the AFIA group down in Dallas, Texas, um, and what they're doing with that. And then also more importantly, how the reaction from the Democrats, which is completely and utterly about the abortion issue, is really playing badly for them with mainstream Americans. We'll take your calls in the third segment. And then in hour two, as promised, I'm going to break down this George Soros thing. So we had some questions about that when he was mentioned during the Ann Coulter interview last week. And then at other points, we've talked about George Soros. And people were asking in the comments, well, I mean, how How is he allowed to operate in the United States? Well, he answers that question himself. And so we'll be getting into that. And um, I just found some really great stuff. And then, of course, breaking news. And we'll take calls on that in the third segment of Hour 2. As well, Governor Ducey of Arizona has announced that he is nominating Senator John Kill to replace John McCain. And that will provide the last vote needed to clear the nomination hurdle and confirm justice Kavanaugh without the help of the Democrats. Uh, but we're still expecting two or three, at least according to Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz says he expects two or three Democrats to cross the aisle and to vote for uh, justice Kavanaugh, even in the face of all of the opposition. And it has been stark. I heard what sounded like shrieks from an assail asylum this morning protesters would run into the room and before I guess the Capitol police could grab them I'm not sure what exactly the procedure was in the beginning they would just stand at the back and scream whatever they wanted and their voices unhinged lunacy it was just crazy so that was going on Um, so we're going to listen to a little bit of uh, first of all you're wondering probably well who like Who knew what hearing room to be in, like how how these protesters seem organized? Well, they are because the Democrats had a conference call in which the Senate leadership and activists spoke about who they were going to have in the room, who was going to request time to announce who was in the room. Senator Feinstein, she asked for time to acknowledge people who were significant in the gallery, which is crazy pants because all Americans are significant when it comes to the consideration of a Supreme Court nominee, not just people who advocate on behalf of LGBT or abortion. All of us are significant, whether we're taxpayers or whether we're on disability, whatever we might be doing. If we're citizens of this country, we're all significant in the SCOTUS nomination process. So you've got Durbin he gets called on the carpet about this. Did you guys actually have a conference call to organize these disruptions because they were so loud and so virulent in their screaming and, and screeching that the senators on the panel who who make up the panel that gives the advice and consent on SCOTUS nominees they couldn 't even get a word in edgewise they They literally were getting shouted down by these crazed protesters so Durban actually admits that this was what they organized here in number five.
6: Mr. Chairman, I'm I'm, uh, confused because I heard earlier that this was a uh, a reaction to the document releases last night, but I'm I'm reviewing a tweet from uh, NBC that said, Democrats plotted coordinated protest strategy over the holiday weekend. All agreed to disrupt and protest the hearing, sources tell me. And subsequent Dem leader, uh, Chuck Schumer, led a phone call and committee members are executing now. So I just want to be clear, none of the members on this committee participated in that phone call or that strategy before the documents were released yesterday. Is this, uh, are you suggesting that this allegation is false? This is outrageous. Senator Durbin. Mr. Chairman, uh, there was a phone conference yesterday, and I can tell you at the time of the phone conference, many issues were raised.
5: Okay, so they did have a phone conference. And many issues were raised, including who was going to do what screaming at what points. In addition to that, the Democrats on the committee also executed this lengthy disruption of the hearing this morning to screech about, you, you guessed it, Trump derangement syndrome and Donald Trump, how Donald Trump is an unindicted co-conspirator of some sort, which is a term That is reserved for individuals who are already suspected of criminal acts by law enforcement, not by the general public or activists, and have been known to engage in criminal activity. Unindicted co-conspirator means you're not tangentially connected, as President Trump is, to the two individuals who most recently have received indictments. Remember, the two individuals, Paul Manafort and Michael Cohen, are connected to the president through their business interests, but... One's an attorney. The other one ran the campaign for 140 days to get it through the convention. But they're being convicted of things that are outside of those activities. How was Donald Trump to know when he first hired Paul Manafort Manafort, that he was under investigation by the FBI, the FBI, for tax evasion? Especially since that would have been the purview of the IRS. Wiretap fraud, et cetera, et cetera. Those things have nothing to do with the presidential campaign. So while liberal activists are jumping around saying, well, he's been there's been all these indictments, indictments on what the rubber meets the road in the connections and what the indictments are for. None of them are for collusion. None of them are for obstruction. None of them have anything to do with the campaign. Now, show me those ones that have to do with the campaign and I'll take a look. I'm open to seeing whatever evidence is out there and listening to whatever or reading about whatever the. Uh, special counsel, hands down in the way of indictments on anyone. I want the truth. I want justice. But this isn't it. So next up, you've got a continuing theme of the morning, which is we haven't had enough time to review the documents, which they declined to review, by the way. The 140,000 pages that were presented as a part of the record of just justice Kavanaugh for review by those who are tasked with voting and advising and consenting the president on his nominees to the Supreme court of the United States. They declined to do so. Only one Democrat requested a copy of those documents. Everyone else simply did not. So now they're saying, well, there's millions of documents that should have been made available to us, but they weren't. And because of that, we're not able to go forward with our advice and consent role and, of course, you know Ted Cruz. He's on a radio program, and he's asked about these papers, and he talks about it. Now, this is before the hearing started, and we have two bits from him. This first one is um, he's talking about the, these these so-called Kavanaugh documents. But are they really from Justice Kavanaugh? That's number six.
2: So it is a massive pile of papers that has been handed over. It's far more than what's handed over for Justice Kagan. It is far more than was handed over for Justice Sotomayor. Um, but what the Democrats are doing, and, and they're not really hiding it, is, is that they're, they're, they're playing games and they're trying to have a stalling tactic. So they're focused on, look, the main papers that matter are the 300 published opinions. Those are all out there for everyone to examine. You want to know what kind of judge this is? Well, we've got over a decade of uh, a, a real demonstration of what kind of judge he is. The game the Democrats are playing is, is one of the positions he had. 15, 20 years ago during the George W. Bush administration was what's called staff secretary. Now, staff secretary is the person who handles the paper coming into into the president. And so just about everyone sends paper through the staff secretary. Now, the staff secretary isn't writing the paper. That's coming from the attorney general, the secretary of state, senior White House officials. But the staff secretary is, is the funnel that, that gets it to the president. What the Democrats are demanding is they want to see every single piece of paper. That essentially has the president at the Well, they don't have any right to do that. No other president has ever handed over. I mean, there are rules and laws governing what presidential documents when. And the Democrats know there's no way uh, the Bush White House, and it's, in, and it's the Bush White House and the, and the, and the archive that are making this determination.
5: So it's not that the National Archives were gone around in some way. It's that the documents that the Democrats are screaming about are rightly not being made available to them because some of them are confidential communiques from the State Department to the President of the United States at the time. The only reason that they're even connected to Justice Kavanaugh is because he was the record person at the time. So, his role in the White House was to receive the records from, say, the State Department. Remember, this is before email. This is before people were just zipping and flitting information to each other via their smartphones. None of this stuff existed. So, pieces of paper with important information on them, classified, highly classified, top secret, you know, Yankee White, all that stuff, that's brought over, and he's the record keeper, meaning he has to acknowledge that he received the document, taking responsibility for it, and passing it on to the recipient, whoever is the name recipient on the document. That is the chain of documents that had to be maintained at the time that was the way it was done. So the Democrats are saying if Kavanaugh was sitting in the office and was the record keeper at the time, those millions of documents that passed through his hands, which he didn't make opinions on, he didn't author them, he didn't even respond to them. He merely received them, logged them in, and pass them to the president or the secretary of state or whomever, that all of those documents need to be gone over. It's a rabbit trail. They don't care to review those documents. They're simply making an issue of it because they want to delay this confirmation hearing until after the election. They assume that they will be able to stop Kavanaugh from being put on the Supreme Court after the election. The blue wave or some such, such something or other. Yeah, that's all it is. So we'll listen to the other two pieces in a third segment when we take your calls. Right now, we're going to go to the break, and then we have Dean Nelson, National Outreach Director for Human Coalition. He'll be with us up next. Stay there. <music>
6: I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, the very first day in Israel, when we're staying in Jerusalem, we go to the Mount of Olives. And it's there at the Mount of Olives, we look out over the old city of Jerusalem. It's a spectacular sight. You've seen it in pictures before, but it's another thing to actually be there as we walk down from the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane, and we pray there. It's going to be a wonderful time. With brothers and sisters from around the country visiting the Holy Land, the land of Jesus. If you want information on this March 14th to the 22nd tour, just call us and we'll send you a brochure. Call 1-800-FAMILIES, F A M I L I E S, option 5, and leave us your name and your address and we'll mail you a brochure. Or if you want to simply go online at twholyland.com, everything's there. twholyland.com.
0: Hi, I'm Crawford Luritz with a Legacy Moment. I have a great auto mechanic. He's thorough. He knows what he's doing. He's amazing. He has a well-deserved reputation for fairness and integrity. I know from first hand experience, he stands completely and thoroughly behind his work. If it's not right, he makes it right at no additional charge. He understands his work is a reflection of his character. Well, God's work is a reflection of his character too, isn't it? In other words, whatever God does, whatever he says, whatever he promises, is a complete, wonderful, perfect reflection of his nature and character. That's what we read in Titus chapter 1, verses 1-3. through 3. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, which is according to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago but at the proper time manifested even his word in the proclamation with which I was entrusted according to the commandment of God our Savior. The Apostle Paul begins by saying, the one I represent cannot lie, and what I'm about to say is a reflection of him whom I represent. God has never told a lie. This is terribly important, especially if you're struggling with the assurance of your salvation. If you sincerely placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I don't care when it was, you turn to him and you're in good hands. Here's what I want you to remember today. Our salvation rests not in our hands, but it's lodged in the integrity of God himself. Our eternal future is secure simply because God says so. If you've committed your life to Christ, you belong to him, and God always stands by his work.
1: Join Crawford Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. This is Stacy on the
0: Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
5: Welcome back to the program. I hope your Labor Day was not full of labor. <laughs> I hope it was carefree and awesome. And now you're back with us, and we're so glad to be with you. AFR.net and UrbanFamilyTalk.com are the websites we can find out more. And hit the subscribe button. So right now, let's go to our guests. We have Dean Nelson, National Outreach Director for Human Coalition. Dean, thank you so much for joining us today.
7: Oh, Stacey, it's always great to be with you. Thanks so much for hosting. Uh, this is an exciting topic, and I'm glad to be on again.
5: So let's do two things. We first have to cover this billboard because there's been kind of some more activity on it. There are PR people were actually tweeting me today trying to... Correct me in my assertion that this has anything to do with Planned Parenthood. Now, Planned Parenthood does the abortions, not the AFIA Center. And second of all, uh, they are basically likening having an abortion to some kind of uh, spa day for black women. Only for black women. Just black women are supposed to think of abortion as a spa day. Then I want to pivot over to Justice Kavanaugh's uh, hearings today and and what that means for us working towards getting a pro-life nominee up there.
7: Well, um, first I will talk about the uh the billboards have gone up in uh in you know, in Dallas. So uh, I first heard about it, actually I was proud to say this through my daughter. Uh she's much more um busy on Twitter than I am. So she's actually sent it to me. I saw it and, you know, To say I was shocked is no longer the truth because I see this type of stuff all of the time uh, and how the abortion industry strategically uses black women. And they always will find, you know, a small group, and they talk about it in the context of reproductive justice. Those are words that they have done research on have found that that actually plays well within our community. So uh, to say I was shocked, I was not shocked, I was disappointed. But it does show that the work that the Black Pro-Life Coalition and others like you are doing, bringing attention to the horrible, you know, tragedy of abortion within our community, because this billboard, you know, popped up, you know, about a month after billboards that our organization, the Black Pro-Life Coalition, put up in Dallas. that basically said the opposite, that abortion is not health care, and so it does show that the word is getting out. There was a lot of attention, uh, radio as well as television uh, attention that was given to the billboard that we put up in Dallas uh, about a little over a month ago. So uh, I was, you know, disheartened to see it, but to know that they're responding to what we're doing, and that is telling people the truth about abortion and that black Americans do not need abortion and abortion is not health care.
5: Absolutely. And I think their uh, initial. Um, billboard they thought would be a good foil to what you put up, and it's you and Pastor Broden and and others who got That's together right. and put that billboard up. And what they're doing is they're they're saying, look, it's not that big of a deal, but it is, and it's important for us to acknowledge that. So that dovetails in with with the news of the day for this entire week. Um, you know, the biggest story in America right now is the Kavanaugh hearings and the Democrats on the committee are really showing their support for abortion and for gun control in all of their comments about their, they, they absolutely refuse to acknowledge the capability, the the appropriateness of justice Kavanaugh. So how do you see the, the marketing camp campaign that's been going on all over the country? It's not just billboards in Dallas. It's all over the country. Essence magazine, um, people who support abortion, are pushing this idea that it's not only horrible to go to a pregnancy resource center, but it's horrible to even second-guess having an abortion. And then you see the same kind of antics coming out of people on the left during this confirmation hearing.
7: Yeah, I mean, you can expect that the abortion industry has and will continue to spend a whole lot of money to protest, to do anything that they can, because they recognize that, number one, abortion numbers nationally are going down. The more that you have in certain states, many states, there are more restrictions that are being placed on abortion, because people know that abortion is bad. People know that abortion is horrible. Even people that end up getting abortion. Remember, it used to be with the Clinton administration, safe, legal, and rare. I mean, they used to emphasize that abortion should be rare, but they don't use that language anymore because the abortion industry makes it a multi-billion dollar industry. Planned Parenthood themselves is an organization that has over a billion dollars in assets and a billion dollars every year with up to 500 million of those dollars coming from the from the government. So we know that ultimately it's about business. They're making money hand over fist. They will continue to market in our communities. They'll continue to put their new uh, abortion clinics uh, in black and in urban and Hispanic communities, that they're closing them down in, uh, in in more white communities. They are putting them up in urban communities continually. I mean, it's still, I think it's 79% was the last stat that I saw of their abortion facilities are in black or Latino communities. And so... They are going to continue to fight against anything, particularly with a Supreme Court justice that you know has good ratings, you know, from uh, conservative organizations. They are petrified because if this, in fact, moves forward and more restrictions are placed on abortion, um, it is going to—they're going to they're, they're see—you know—the bottom line is going to affect them. And they're Margaret Sanger's dream of, you know, we don't want word to get out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. I mean, that will become uh, extinct. And that's our prayer. Our prayer is that uh, we at Human Coalition, we like to say it this way, we want to make abortion unthinkable and unavailable. We, we don't want people to even be able to think that abortion should be an option. We want people to think that bringing a child into the world is um, something that is that is positive, something that is good, uh, that no child should be, you know, killed uh, just because of a decision of his mother and or his father.
5: Absolutely. So um, I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on today. We have a jam-packed show, and I wanted to thank you for coming on and joining us for um, especially for the billboard. And I, I don't think enough people know about it. Obviously it's viral on Twitter. It's viral on social media. My tweet had 24,000 uh, likes and over 13,000 retweets, which is not my normal Twitter activity. So it, it definitely struck a nerve. I encourage people to go Hello. to human coalition and check it out. Um, and also to support your local pregnancy resource centers and just that keep this in prayer as dean just said that our most powerful weapon against this is prayer but we have to be active as well in supporting a biblical worldview which it can you cannot have the biblical worldview and advocate for abortion or support it in any way so we've got to make that clear and be more more judicious in our it's it's either or. We don't have any middle ground on abortion any longer, and I I hope that people will hear that and co- and carefully consider where we're coming from here. Dean, what's the website for uh, Human Coalition?
7: Yeah, if you just visit humancoalition.org, dot org, they can find not just good information and how to support our organization, but we also provide. A large number of videos to help people to uh, communicate effectively about how precious life is and not just talking about you know how horrible abortion is that which it is but uh, there are a lot of great videos that are there and I would encourage your listening audience to uh, continue to push back continue to post during social media about this. One of the things that I did notice Stacy was. Uh, and a lot of the Twitter information, people that I would not have suspected. I mean, you know, they're using four-letter words and everything like that, but they're talking about how abortion is horrible and how black people can do better. And so I think that it's really important for us to push back. Even when I went to the um, uh, the FIS Center's uh, website, they had people that were posting against them even on their Facebook page. So I think that it's really important for us uh, people who understand that, you know, a, a pro-life – um, ethic is what is good for America and particularly for black America, the more that we continue to communicate that effectively through different channels, I think that we'll see a greater groundswell of folks that will come around to understanding that um, being pro-life and pushing the idea that uh, all people are created equally, whether they're inside the womb or not, is uh, is what's going to benefit the African-American community and
5: America. Fantastic! Thank you so much, Dean, for joining us today. Talk to you again soon, Human Coalition. Bless you
7: have a good
5: one. All right, you too. Um, so we're what we're going to do now is there's there's another huge story out, which is that Nike's stock has dropped by three percent, which is huge for a company, on the heels of them making Colin Kaepernick one of their ambassadors for the revival of the "Just Do It" ad campaign. Now, if you're in my age range or thereabouts, you remember the Just Do It ad campaign, do you not? The the Nike swoosh, it was Just Do It, and it was inspirational messages of people who had overcome, people who were athletes who went above and beyond what their physical capabilities should have been. It wasn't just the people that were in sports like basketball and all that stuff. It was also regular people who were totally killing it, and we would see them in the ads, and they were very inspirational, and they were fantastic for Nike. They sold a lot of athletic gear and shoes based on those ads. Well, they're now bringing those back with a group of individuals to include Colin Kaepernick. And you better believe Nike owners of shoes, of athletic wear, of socks, they've been burning their socks, burning their shoes, cutting their shoes up. One guy cut the socks into tiny pieces and ate them. I mean, it's 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 a bit off the chain, but people are upset. So we're going to talk about that, and I'm going to take calls on it in the third segment Right now, I want to finish listening to um, Ted Cruz. And this is important for us to know because this is what you're going to hear. You're going to be at work. You're going to be at the grocery store. You're going to be at the library, wherever you are. You're going to hear people saying, you know, this is the first time ever in the history of this country that a Supreme Court nominee has had millions of documents withheld. And they're, they're, the, the level of dishonesty here is unprecedented and it's connected to Donald Trump. That's not true. And I'm so sick of the lies. This morning, I actually blurted out a couple of times. One of them is is my pet peeve with Democrats because Democrats want Americans to think that America is a democracy, but democracy is mob rule. If you've ever heard of America, you know it's a representative republic. The reason they don't call it a republic is because republic sounds too much like Republicans. Republicans regardless of who gets the little you know the little nod in the name you have to be true to what it is we are not a democracy if we were we would vote on every single issue ourselves we would not vote through representatives who go to congress and are and the number of them are direct apportionment one representative for every so many tens of thousands of people congressional districts each district has a representative, and then two senators from every state. Instead of having New Hampshire have a half of a senator or a quarter of a senator, and having California have fifty-five senators based on their population, that wouldn't be fair. So, what we need to do, uh, quite honestly, is we've got to we've got to be honest. And so that's what this is. I'm, I I want to listen to Ted Cruz. He's explaining about the Democrats making a demand that they know it's utterly impossible to meet in asking for these millions of documents. It's number seven.
1: In other words, those documents written by other people say nothing zero about Judge Kavanaugh's views and they say nothing zero about what kind of justice Judge Kavanaugh would make. But they are by necessity, the most sensitive and confidential documents in a White House. They are the documents that are going to the president. This is the advice and deliberations of the president at the senior level, and the staff secretary is the conduit for those documents. So why is it that the Democrats are putting so much energy in saying, hand over all of those documents? Because they know, they know beyond a shadow of doubt, That President George W. Bush's White House team is not going to allow every piece of paper that went to the president to be made public any more than any other White House would. Republican or Democrat, no White House would allow every piece of paper that went to and from the president to be made public.
5: No president would allow that, including President Obama. So if you had a nominee who served at any point in any part of the government during the Obama administration, And the Republicans asked for every single document that passed through that nominee's hands, even documents that had nothing to do, or or it's not even a, a question of even, none of those documents have anything to do with Justice Kavanaugh's fitness for the Supreme Court because none of those documents have anything to do with his judicial opinions. Now, the man has issued over 300 judicial opinions. Those are the opinions that you want to read. You want to read his articles from the journals that he's, you know, the These lawyers write articles in journals. He's also written an 800-page book to give you a little bit of, you know, we're talking about political books and books that we read that are, you know, you you get a book for book club. That's considered to be a lengthy book, a book that's over 250 pages, you know, that's right in the zone. Anything above that, you're approaching novel length. 400 to 450 pages is considered a novel. That's a considerable undertaking. It's what writers and editors call a heavy lift. Then you have his book on precedent that he co-authored with another judge that is over 800 pages. So please let me know. The same individuals, Democrats, who couldn't be bothered to read the Obamacare morass, which was, what, how, 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 how many pages was that? 2,500. 2,500. None of them read it. Not one Democrat read it. In fact, Nancy Pelosi made a name for herself by saying we need to pass the bill to find out what's in it. In other words, I'm not going to bother to read that if you don't pass it. I don't want to waste my time reading twenty five hundred pages if you're not going to actually pass the bill. So pass it first and then we'll see what's in it like a present, like a surprise gift from a friend. Only this gift's not from a friend and it stinks before you open it. That was Obamacare and they didn't read that. They're not reading 140,000 pages of information that were provided that were directly relevant to how he would rule on cases, meaning how he has ruled in the past. They already know the decisions that he's made that they don't like. They know the times that he stood off to the side and taken exception to rulings that they did like. They know all of that. That's why they decided as soon as they saw that Justice Kavanaugh was a Heritage Foundation and Federalist Society approved person, in other words, someone from President Trump's list, that's when they decided, no, not so much. It's a game. Anyone who approaches you and tries to make you think that the Democrats are legitimately under duress because they don't have the opportunity to review millions of documents when they haven't reviewed the 140,000 has been deceived by this information that's being put out there. So when we get back, we will pivot over and we'll talk a little bit uh, about Colin Kaepernick back in the news again and Nike this time throwing themselves on the sword. Call in if you want 866-963-2037, 866 866- 963-2037. Be right back. What does it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's uncommon moment. Your perspective today has a lot to do with what happens tomorrow, so it's vital to make sure your perceptions are positive. Envision your future, your accomplishments and achievements, and your God-given significance. Base it on what you know to be true, of course, not on your own sense of pride or on unhealthy ways to satisfy your needs. But within the values and dreams God has given you, paint a picture of where you want to go, what you want to be like, and what you want to accomplish. With God's help, we can be intentional and choose to envision a life of significance,
6: possibility, and impact.
5: New York Times bestselling author Tony Dungy. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Well, the Freedom From Religion Foundation is at it again. This time, the Anti-Liberty Group is targeting a cafe offering a 10% discount to any patrons that show a church bulletin. Starters Cafe in Chevy Ohio is a growing brunch spot, which the owner, Justin Watson, wants to capitalize on. Since the cafe's busiest day is Sunday, offering a church flyer discount has been very popular and is similar to restaurants offering savings to veterans, moms on Mother's Day, dads on Father's Day, senior citizens, and pretty much anyone celebrating a birthday. The Freedom From Religion Foundation likens this marketing genius to whites-only policies calling it racist. Of course, the go-to for anyone wanting to infringe on the rights of others is to cry racism. Fortunately, Mr. Watson is standing his ground. Perhaps someone will start a foundation to advocate for our freedom from baseless attacks from the Freedom from Religion Foundation. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com.
3: I'm Chad Pergram with the Speaker's Lobby. You won't find the words confirmation hearing anywhere in the Constitution. All the Constitution says is that the President has the power to nominate Supreme Court Justices and the Senate must provide advice and consent. The Senate never held any Supreme Court confirmation hearings until 1916 for Justice Louis Brandeis. Brandeis didn't even attend. Senators didn't meet in person with a Supreme Court nominee until they huddled with Justice Harlan Fisk Stone in 1925. The first modern confirmation hearing came in 1955 for Justice John Marshall Harlan. Every Supreme Court nominee since Harlan has fielded questions from the Judiciary Committee in a hearing. Television ushered in a new model for Supreme Court confirmation hearings. It culminated in October 1991 with dramatic must-watch wall-to-wall televised hearings for Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Anita Hill accused Thomas of sexual harassment. To keep up with the competition, CBS debated whether it should stick with the hearing or show the baseball playoffs. CBS showed the games, and the ratings for the hearings dwarfed the numbers for the baseball. With the Speaker's Lobby, Chad Pergram, Fox News.
0: You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban
5: Family Talk. Whoa. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I think I will say for hour two, I have a little bit of blowback that I've received for not joining in with the, um, the remonstrations about Senator McCain. And I feel like I've been very respectful, but perhaps some of what I've said has been misconstrued, or maybe it hasn't. I'm not changing my mind on anything. But we'll have to get to that an hour two, because right now I promised that we would go to the phones and talk about this Nike issue. And it's important because, um, you know, it's it takes a lot to get Americans to pick up a pair of ninety nine dollar shoes or hundred dollar shoes that, you know, two hundred dollar shoes and burn them. It's it's it's. Upset people are upset about this decision, and so the decision that we're talking about is Nike. They're reviving their Just Do It campaign, Just Do It has remained their motto, and they're going to do another iteration of their very, very successful ad campaign to bring that slogan to new Americans, new consumers who may not be using their products, who who may not be buying Nike shoes and socks and apparel. And so, uh, in doing so, they have chosen Colin Kaepernick to be one of the individuals, and they're not. they're they're not receiving a good report on that. People are uh, noticeably upset. So let's go to the phones. We have Jacob in Alabama. Thank you so much for calling in today.
4: How are you doing, uh, Sister Tracy?
5: <laughs> I'm doing fine. <laughs>
4: All right. <laughs> yeah, good. To, good to hear from you. Uh, hope you had a good good holiday.
5: Yes, yes. Labor Day was nice and restful. <laughs>
4: Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good thing, because uh, what you're doing, you're going to need a lot of that, because um, you're doing an excellent job, and, and just it's just going to have that balance going on. Um, with with um, Colin Kaepernick, it's just, you know, one thing, one thing that's really funny, uh, the more you study the Word of God, you, you see that we're in spiritual warfare, and the devil is just doing everything he can, any way he can, but there's only one thing good, The devil has no new tricks. He only got new people.
5: Mm. So what are your thoughts on people backlashing against Nike for them choosing Colin Kaepernick to do their their, uh, ad campaign? He's just one of a group of of people.
4: Yeah, they're supposed to because what it is is like a a vote, quote-unquote, a vote for, for Colin Kaepernick is a vote against America. And America was started Way back in 1776, a 1,000 to 1, we should have never been, we should, we should have been British uh, um, inhabitants now. God put his hand on this country, and this country belongs to God. And then the vote for Kaepernick is a vote against godliness and God's will for the country. This country doesn't belong to anybody but him, and it's like the prophesying. gives a lot of blessings in this country. It's the only country you can fall out 10 times, get back up, and still say, Lord, well, you know, really well. Uh, this is a great place. And a vote for Colin Kaepernick is a vote against God in, in, you know, in its broadest sense, you know, because um, this is a blessed country. Anybody that goes 1,500 miles across the desert with their kids to get here, they see that this country is blessed. They see the anointing of God is on this country. And, and anyone that talks against it like that, they're talking against the Lord because this country's not here because you and I are so good or, or anybody else in this country said so good. This is a blessing in the grace of God why this country is functioning and the whole world wants to get
5: here. It's true. And I, I'm just, my concern for Colin Kaepernick, I genuinely feel a, a sense of sadness for him because what has happened is he, he kind of bit off more than he could chew in the protest movement. He started it and he consequentially is the face of this whole protest thing with the kneeling. And because he started it and he's he's not even in it anymore. Like since he's not a, a football player, he can't even go on the field and protest anymore to kind of carry it on. But those who are carrying it on are doing so because they feel like they quote unquote support Colin Kaepernick, when the truth is he has completely destroyed his brand. For a company to lose three percent of their stock value, a huge, you know, multinational company like Nike, a company that really has this huge, huge, you know, following in this country and they're they're very profitable, for them to lose Um, three percent of their value just because he's a part of the ad campaign points to a really, really um, sad truth about his brand and what he's able to do. He can't do you know, he can't he can't be the serial guy. He can't have, uh, uh, you know, time where he's doing basically anything. And and I think that's so sad Um, and not because I agree with what he did. I obviously disagree with him kneeling in front of the American flag. The only time I see it justified to kneel when the flag is present is when a person who is on active duty, who is serving on the U.S. Air Force Honor Guard, U.S. Army Honor Guard, et cetera, et cetera, and you are at a burial, and that person that is being buried is a veteran, and they have the flag draped across their coffin, the six individuals who are pall-bearing will fold that flag. And then one of them will present the flag to the designated family member. And when they do so, because the family member is, is seated, they kneel to one. You take a knee. I've done this before. You take a knee, but your knee doesn't actually touch the ground. You just basically crouch down and then you take the flag, which you're holding over your heart with two hands, and you lower it into their hands. And then you stand up and you go back so that you can finish, which is the 21 gun salute. That's the only time I think you should kneel. Citizens don't kneel, we stand. We've fought too many wars. We've had too many of our good American citizens of all backgrounds felled on the battlefield in foreign lands. Too many of them, we've lost them, and they've given their lives for the right for us to stand as citizens. So, does that mean I don't think we should protest? Oh, please. I'm, on a, I'm a proponent of the First Amendment. We should protest. I believe that if you want to protest something, you are so welcome to do so. You know, and sometimes we have to use the parameters that are given to us. Oftentimes, nowadays, if you want to do an organized protest, you need a permit. So, I mean, I know that's annoying, but that is to make sure that people aren't harmed by oncoming traffic and things like that. It, it, it makes sense if you think about it. And so in that aspect, I don't, there, you absolutely have the right to protest. What is happening here is people aren't saying that people don't have the right to protest. People are saying that if you're going to connect your protest to your workplace, don't be surprised if people who disagree with you utilize your workplace to make a statement back to you. And I think that's so weird that people don't understand that. This isn't about Colin not having the right to do so. It's about the consequences that came from him exercising his right to defy his employer. He's now unemployable. He's going to have to start his own business or work for someone else and it can't be in the public eye unless he goes to work for an advocacy organization that actually believes the same things he believes. And it's funny that none of those organizations have hired him. So, Oh, Denise, let's go to Denise in Alabama. Thank you for
8: calling into the show. Hello. I was calling Hi. because I do not feel that what you are stating about Colin Kaepernick is fair Uh, Just because he may not get sponsorship from other people who do not believe in what he believes in does not mean that what he is doing is wrong. His initial protest regarding the anthem had nothing to do with the anthem. If you recall, and he has continuously stated, it is related to the unjust treatment by some African-Americans, by some police officers, not all towards. Um, African-Americans as far as being racially profiled. That was his protest. He chose to kneel related to that. Absolutely. It was not related to the flag. It was not related to the national anthem. But he chose to do it during those things. A lot of people chose to investigate the background of the national anthem and found out that the original words in the national anthem were related to slavery and also had words that were related to oppressing people and keeping them as slaves. So mm-hmm. now there are many reasons to protest the actual anthem, but that was not his protest, and what he is doing, regardless of if he ever makes another dime in his life, is the right thing to do. Sometimes okay. you have to stand up for the right. And for that other person that just was on there to say that America is—, is was blessed by God, yes, they were. But in 1776, black people were still slaves. But again, that has nothing to do with the reason why Colin Kaepernick was uh, kneeling. He was kneeling in reverence to pray about the state of America. And On everything his in America is not So there.
5: I, I appreciate what you're saying, Denise, and I do. And please don't let her go just yet, because I, I do have a question for you. So yes, ma'am. in in what you've said, you said he has the right to protest and that the protest was centered around police brutality and that he was Correct. kneeling in prayer. But was he doing that in his off time or was he doing that on the job? He
8: was doing it on the job, but he okay. did it for a good reason. So, no, I, so I have a second question. Doing?
5: I have a second question. So. Do you have a job? Do you, do you are work you not doing what you're
8: doing on the job? No, are you I'm not. not. Stating what I'm you're not stating on your Mm-mm. job. No, this Denise, i This is my
5: this is my work, and this is my opinion. But and I was, was hired to work, work here. So he, no, he wasn't hired to work there to do activism. He was hired to do football. But he and I'm not, not hired speak. to do he football just, on this show. If I, kneeled. Denise, Denise, if I chose to word. do football on this radio time, I would be let go. If I chose to make a statement about a political activity. By doing football during my two hours where I'm supposed to do radio, I would be let go as well. The issue is not whether or not he was uh, uh, you know, doing something that he could or couldn't do or it was his opinion. The issue is he chose his work hours where he was being paid to play a game and represent a team to do political activism. So just like you can't go to your job and do political activism and if your boss tells you to stop, you can't stay on working there if they fire you. I can't do football during my radio time. I'm paid to give this opinion. I'm paid to talk about all of these political issues and not not for my opinion to be one way or the other, but that I'm to give my but opinion during this way. radio time. It is
8: one way. It, it is and absolutely. You and about the fact that it's one and way.
5: And absolutely, Denise, if you think for one second I'm backing down on what I believe or that I'm paid to because of what I believe. Yes and no. I am sitting here because I have a biblical worldview, but my opinions are my own. They have been such, and you can Google it, 36 million hits, I think, of the last time I did it on how many times I've expressed these opinions. They are my opinions. I'm paid to give them here because I give them well. I provide a radio program he, that millions he, he of people listen to. At, at
8: but all. he wasn't, he, he, he,
5: he, worked, he, he, worked, he, he worked at activism when he was supposed arena. to be working at football. And I,
8: and I appreciate
5: you calling in. I think it's wild. great that you have your opinion, but I'm I'm not going to over talk this because, It's not the same thing. And if you can't understand that you absolutely cannot defy your workplace, you can't say to your boss, well, I'm Stacy on the right, but I'm also going to be Stacy on the ice skating during this time. I'm going to put on a program all about ice skating. I'm going to do a program about clothing options and the best shoes to wear. At some point, my boss is going to say, um, this, you know, so we do Christian commentary. We do Christian teaching and preaching. We do politics. The the show about the latest pair of cowgirl boots you've bought or how many you know shops you've gone to so you can re- refurbish your house or do chairs, that's not going to work here. And if I kept doing it, I couldn't say, well, you're letting me go because I'm black. I'd have to say, you're letting me go because I'm not adhering to the contract. Colin Kaepernick was not paid to do political commentary or activism, and that is why he was let go. And anyone who acts as if they don't understand that, that their job has certain parameters, isn't dealing with the truth as it lies. As far as these comments about how blacks were slaves in 1776, yeah, that's the history. That is the compromise that was made so that they could form a union. If you read up on what was going on, they didn't want that. But the southern states would only agree to come into the union so that they could be strong enough to go up against Great Britain if that was the case. Now we are no longer slaves and I don't live in the past. I'm descended from slaves and I don't live in the past. I actually live in the victory that is mine today as an American citizen, someone who served this country. I've been abroad. I've seen what it's like to be black in Saudi Arabia, black in Russia back when it was the USSR, black in France, black in Spain, black in almost every country in Western Europe. Austria. The only place I haven't been to is Australia and China. And, of course, Africa. I've never been to actual Africa. Unbelievable that we as black people would ever allow anyone to denigrate our history here. We are a proud nation of people who once enslaved one another, who now work together equal under the law. And so, you know, living in the past yields, you no results living in the present, looking forward to the future, that is what God has for us. And so I I totally agree with the first caller. And I'm sorry, I do not agree with Denise. And I also repudiate the assertion that somehow I'm paid to say the things that I'm saying. I've been saying them since I was unpaid. I was on the radio doing hours of radio every week, filling in for hosts and also on my own weekend show until I got my own advertising. I was doing that show for free and I was presenting these same opinions. They're mine. And there's no way I'm going to ever let anybody come on and say that they're not. As far as Colin Kaepernick, it's not really my opinion as to whether or not he's employable. Nike stock is down. Now they have to make a decision about whether or not they're going to keep him on the ad campaign or continue to lose revenue. And that's all that matters right here. Employers care much about what you do and your opinion, but they care more about the bottom line. The NFL is not in business to do activism. They're in business to promote Football to show football, and to get Americans to watch football, to get businesses to advertise for football. That is why the NFL exists, to enrich the owners, the players, and all of the vendors. That's why they're there. Why am I here? I'm here to present the biblical worldview and to talk politics and culture, not to play football or to do ice skating or to talk about decorating. That's what it is. We'll be back with Hour 2, where we will talk about George Soros right after this.